Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Secret Records, Castlevania Nocturne, Season 1. I'm Kalen. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Happy Spooky, and welcome to another Secret Records, where we talk about things outside our normal and extra issues. It can be Andor, Rick and Morty, Dark, or anything falling outside our weekly bread and butter, which, in case you forgot, is the X-Men and the MCU. It's like an extra, extra issue, and today we're discussing Castlevania Nocturne. Created and written by Clive Bradley and produced by Kevin Cold, currently streaming on Netflix. It's like uh, when you sneak uh, as a kid to like watch porn or something. Like this is something you shouldn't be telling people you're listening secret. to. It's super secret. We're also I thought you meant Castlevania was like porn. I mean, it's it's a, a little <laughs> porny. Kinda. Yeah, we are we are recording this naked and very grainy and like weirdly like wiggling a lot, and yeah. you're just trying to get uh, it to hit right. Some of our fans <laughs> got really excited by that. <laughs> Scramble, you know who you are. Right. Scramble Channel, baby. Oh my god, it's a standalone. So Castlevania Nocturne, not our weird porno station, <laughs> is a standalone sequel to Netflix's original Castlevania anime and is based on the video game series of the same name by Konami, loosely adapting elements from Castlevania Rondo of Blood in 93, as well as its sequel Symphony of the Night 97, which is actually one of the best fucking... Symphony of the Night's so good. They it, need to bring it back. It made Metroidvanias happen, so if you haven't played that, go fucking play it. What's a Rondo of Blood? Uh, yeah, um, let's get a Rondo um, of Blood from um, the table. I'm pretty hungry. I could go for a Rondo of Blood. <laughs> hey, we got any blood back there? <laughs> Uh, All right, so a quick synopsis of the actual series. Set in 1792 during the French Revolution, the series follows the young vampire hunter Richter Belmont and his adoptive sister, Maria Renard, as they make new allies and attempt to prevent the apocalyptic rise of a godlike vampire messiah. So if you haven't watched this show, you don't want any spoilers, turn this off now. Uh, Otherwise, join in as we do a spooktacular play-by-play of all big things that happen in Season 1's eight episodes. So let's start... With our milestones, are kind of like our first up A milestones. We've got backstories, introductions, and setting up the chessboard. So when the series start, we get a lot of Richter's past, and we also get to see his mother's, Julia Belmont's death from Ulrox. Uh, what were your initial reads on this, this opening scene? How did it kick off this new Castlevania for you? Uh, I mean, I think it was a very strong start. I mean, you know, clearly um, showing off, like, the danger of who you think is going to be the big bad uh, in the season, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's very much a trope of heroic fiction. You know, the son of the daughter of, um, you know, like a monster hunter or some kind of heroic figure. They die. They're killed off by some, like, otherworldly evil force and then they have to kind of go off on their own very role-playing game for very sure. much so very campbellian sort of like you know um you know hero's journey kind of shit so i thought it was fine i mean you've got uh an important legacy family walking down an alley when the parents are killed <laughs> i mean you're i'm about to say bruce wayne I was about to you're, say, yeah. you've got this the the makings of a great uh, batman right there yeah batman belmont um i thought the 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 show did a very good job of kicking off what the animation is going to look like and what the fight scenes are going to look like because it goes to 11 immediately. Gorgeous. Um, having it escalate dramatically from, you know, skulls from another dimension to, yeah, it's an ancient serpent god that <laughs> will stab you in the fucking chest. Yeah. I did uh, like 
right off the bat that it was like a very Quetzalcoatl type situation. Like you could tell that there's elements right. of the Americas essentially in Europe, which I thought was really cool for Ulrox's character to begin with. Yeah. Um, but just in general, I mean, Ulrox is a bad bitch. Like, oh yeah. Look at those earrings. To your establishment. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, I feel like you need to cosplay as Ulrox, Brent. Get some. I don't know hair. if I could cosplay as Ulrox. That does feel like, uh, I don't know. I would worry. You're not going to, like, change yours. <laughs> I, yeah, well, that's what <laughs> I'm right. saying. It's like, what is it that distinguishes me as Ulrocks? Just earrings. And not even, hair. that's it. Yeah. You wear green, you wear emerald contacts, a little bodysuit. You can Ble- pull it. I, I, yeah. Dress no, like we're a, not doing this. Like yeah. a French courtier. And but there's other cosplay that you could yeah, do. Yeah, I think there's other. You know, if I went as the snake version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just as a giant cobra <laughs> with vampire wings. Well, so knowing what we know and find out about Ulrox and Julius, oh, history, sorry, actually, yeah. great thing, uh, Quetzalcoatl as the winged, uh, winged serpent, yeah, and that being a vampire, great, yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent combination of mythologies. Yes, agreed. Uh, There's a lot well, of that in this series. Yeah, that well, and we'll talk a little bit about the real diversification, I think, of vampirism and just this show in general um, later. Uh, so thinking about Ulrox and knowing what we find out about him and Julius' history rated in the series. Ulrox's true love being murdered by Julia after Ulrox turned him into a vampire. Is this cycle of violence continues type stuff? Or do you think this personal attack at the beginning of the show is justified? I I like the moral grayness of it all. Um, that, you know, the Belmonts were vampire hunters. We kill vampires. That's what we do. But a lot of these vampires have very, you know, humanistic uh, qualities. It's like they fall in love, you know. They feel lust. Uh, it's not just about, you know, not just bloodlust. It's actual, you know, quote unquote human emotions. And so we're only getting one side. We, we saw one side of the story. We're getting another side of the story. I'm sure there's like even a third like dimension to that story that we don't know. <laughs> but uh, Ulrox uh, immediately at first I was like, OK, fine, could be an OK big bad. And you realize, no, he's not the big bad mm-hmm. of season one at all. He's actually an antihero which made the character so much richer and so much more interesting to me. I got very strong Magneto vibes yes. from Ulrox mm. that he fell in love with a, an American Indian man who kind of tried to work with the system or I can't remember the, all the exact details of, of what ended up. He became a revolutionary. Yeah, he became mm. a revolutionary, but he still wanted to like fix things and he believed that he could reclaim it was that he was had this kind of fantastical view uh in old rocks's mind about like recovering things uh that layer makes uh julia killing him a little bit more complicated exactly because she is not just killing a vampire she's also like part of the colonization system like anything that i view as evil or as uh, the uh, vulgar, uh, the savages, those uh, deserve to die because I do not understand them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of subtext in this series, much more than the original Castlevania series. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward to France. Next up, he's got a new family, Richter. <laughs> you got him. Richter's got no magic anymore. He lost all those powers. You got Maria. She's running the rebellion as a 12-year-old. And then you've got Tara, who, you know, this is going to be happening a little bit later, obviously, than just chronologically. But we find out has a connection to Elizabeth Bathory, a.k.a. the Vampire Messiah. What did you make of these new uh, new characters? Bored at first, and then I got more and more into them as the series progressed. I don't know. 
I don't know because I'm still I still kind of am somewhat bored by them. They do feel like video game characters <laughs> where it's like, oh, this girl can summon Pokemon and <laughs> he's really good with a whip. Yeah. Like I that he's got like they all have one interesting characteristic, but that does not a character make. Well, the thing with Maria and Tara specifically, I felt that they were both like lesser than the sum of the parts that were Sypha. Like, Sypha mm. was so interesting to me as a character, and I loved the kind of uh, accent that she had, and the s- not broken English, but, like, clearly, like, Brent, you made a point when accent. we were uh, talking about it, uh, maybe in season three or four, there's a certain kind of person who ha- is very, very funny, but doesn't completely, English is not their first language, right. and so the way that they tell jokes is a little bit off, but it's still very good. That's what I really liked about Sypha, and I felt like they were, like, initially just like sort of lesser than her character and so i was not enthralled at the very start of this series it doesn't seem clear to me that there's tons of chemistry between any pair of characters right now i'm oh, uh, sorry sorry any of these three characters that, i agree with that's that. surprising that's interesting y'all mentioned that and i you know i think we're also got a little bit of rose-colored glasses from having four seasons of the original castlevania series because if i i think back and we'll talk a little bit about you know the first season of this versus the first season of that but, you know, when I, I, I loved Saifa, but I feel like I didn't love her until seasons two plus. And same thing with Trevor, because the characters, I feel like the characters felt more holistic and formed in this season, mainly because I got four more episodes. But like when you when you're dealing with Trevor or even Saifa in those original ones, Trevor's just like a dumb cunt. And then Saifa's like, you know, dumb do cunt. it this way. Yeah, yeah, they're just dumb cunts for different reasons. So I, I don't know. I, I did like all this. I, I appreciated the decentralization of Richter and as a character, because we'll talk about, you know, Annette yeah, and Edward right. afterwards. Yeah. But maybe to your point, they might be juggling so many I, that you don't get to ground yourself in I, some. I think the reason why uh, I, I, st- I like them more as this as the series progressed was uh, we are basically told that this is his now new family mm. and they have these connections but we don't get to actually see it. We don't see those connections form. Yeah. We just have to assume it. And so versus someone like Trevor and Saifa, you see those bonds come together in like, like it, the ground is built in season one and then it builds and builds in seasons two through That's four. Fair. I think that there's, it's, it's unfair to judge the characters this early in the season, but they are currently uh, in the narrative in stasis. So Richter, right. we're waiting for him to have the confrontation with Olrox as an adult and have a mental breakdown. And for Tara, uh, for the secrets to come out. Well, I think she gets actually very interesting when, uh, what's her name? Bad bitch with the no heel uh, uh, shows up. Dralta. D- Dralta. Uh, when she shows up. And then for Maria, it's when she finds out that she is uh, the abbot's daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all kind of waiting for a major plot Move. point for them to actually like do something. There, uh, I will say the story about Tara's sister is pretty devastating. Really well done. That's I love a very horrific moment. Yeah. And the buildup of Elizabeth Battery not to really see her until you know episode six or you know five or six, I think is really great because it really did create this mystery of who this person is and what that's about. Yeah. Um, speaking of bad dads, let's talk about Abbott Emmanuel, uh, who basically just keeps proving that church is bad. Did, so I, oh, go ahead. Did they, they were they like, all right, we're going to have a section called Abbott and the faggot. <laughs> <laughs> Abbott and Costello. Um, 
so the character uh, at first it's like oh clearly he's a bad dude even though uh you have tara who's like oh no 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 he's a man of god whatever clearly men of god can also be very very bad people when um <laughs> <laughs> let me give you all the citations um i really um i thought he was a, one of the better characters not that i was ever rooting for him yeah. the reason why is because he keeps talking about he is doing he is trying to serve god by doing all these evil things because what he is seeing is um his country change too quickly it's like this like and he is part of like you know things were better the way where they before the revolution we needed to keep the monarchy to keep the peace this is about divine right and all that kind of stuff and it makes me think of like religious leaders now who have uh aligned behind donald trump who are saying, like, yeah, he's not a good person, but we need him for the greater good Mm -hmm. because society has changed far too quickly. And so once I realized that was the analogy, it all clicked in for me of, like, what a complex character he really is. It, I, before any of this came out, we were kind of wondering, setting it up during the French Revolution, why pick that period of time? Is that a really great idea? And number one, including all the the issues related to slavery, I think is great. Yeah. But the other thing that I thought was really great with respect to Abbott Emanuel in particular was how much he relies on the argu- or, or the arguments from the clergy and the aristocracy about how these revolutions will go too far. That yeah. they will. They uh, is it real revolution? Do they really want change? The pendulum has really yeah. shifted too much, right? And they're that like, all right. So there's a legitimate argument because that did become part of the problem of the French Revolution that the answer to everything was kill your political enemies. However, the flip side of it is that he has to be the one to save everyone. It is this ego-driven power trip that, yeah, the Charlemagne... Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Napoleon, Napoleon, Donald Trump. That, well, Napoleon, <laughs> Napoleon didn't exist yet. Yeah. But, uh, that all these major Napoleon dynamite. Yes. Knows. All these. Uh, Do you remember him back in 1600? Yeah. Uh, I don't think dynamite existed at the time either. <laughs> <laughs> that that these major points in history did hinge on a single person. Yeah. And that person had to be him. I think is makes him an interesting character of like, yeah, there's a bunch that's accurate in what you're saying. And also you're an egomaniac, egomaniacal psychopath. Okay, yeah. so it's easy to talk about how good or bad someone else is. But what would you do if you heard the vampire messiah was coming? If someone told me you need to make a uh, demon forge, I'd say pass. I go pass. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Where would I begin? Where do you buy the materials? I, I Home Depot. I don't, I don't have a coupon hi, there. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and like I could judge him, but like don't, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, yeah, you you can't you can't go to Home Depot. You have to get that express overnight from hell <laughs> sent to you. It can't be destroyed. So like, don't worry about packaging. When they throw that on your doorstep, it doesn't matter if there's dings in it. It's fine. So a better question would be for you then, Bren, is what would cause you to ally with a vampire messiah and make night creatures for her? I think the only way, this is a little bit abstract, but I would have to know there was something like an Ulrochs out there, someone else who had a very strong incentive to act as a lateral move to stop that like a a bigger bad that ultimately did not care 
about uh, destroying this figure. Like, yeah, but like, I know that what I have to do is to save the world, and I need something to stop the thing that's making this Faustian bargain with me. That's really thoughtful. I thought you'd be like, I don't know, like fifty billion dollars. <laughs> I need, I need, a, I need a bigger force out there. That uh, I need a bigger fish in order to eat the one that would eat me. That's fair, because you're. I guess you're being. You know, it's very. It's proven in the series that Elizabeth is not making good on any of her promises. But it's like a risky bet because the people I'm really betting on are like four fucking ham bones. <laughs> who who have shit magic and like a parakeet and a tiger that has tattoos of gold on it. Well, like, so, yeah, let's talk about this uh, burgeoning crew. So new challengers do appear to save Richter and Maria, um, a sorceress and former slave Annette. And then you've got a mixed race opera singer, Edward. They were sent on a vision quest by a seer to tackle the vampire Messiah. Love them. I think they were both great additions uh, to the cast. Uh, and as we get more and more of their backstory, as the season progressed, I was like, I was completely enthralled. Um, you know, to your point about using, you know, the analogies of, of slavery, slave owners uh, with, you know, supernatural creatures, I think is absolutely fantastic. And Edward um, is such like a, he's very much like, uh, was it Hector in the first series? Uh, it was Hector and Isaac who were the, both yeah. the Forge Masters, right? Yeah. Uh, Hector was the really just the gentle soul, and like I think you know he's sort of he, he's not the same character, but he sort of fills a similar vibe of somebody who's incredibly powerful, but is not like a brawler like yeah. some of these other uh, other characters, uh, the cunning, other protagonists. Yeah, yeah, cunning, thoughtfulness, connection with people. I thought this series this season would have failed had they not had these two i mean obviously a lot of the story would be missing but like annette alone i think drives just so much interest i think she's a wonderful character she plays really well to richter because i think in again in the first run of castlevania it always like felt like trevor was like the guy's got to do this and sypha would do tons of shit i mean she learned to turn to avatar by the end of it right but i just the fact that they have annette showing up she don't need no fucking man she's got her own vision her own quests like all the stuff i thought just hit so well for her and particularly when they go into the history usually that's not a fun episode where you're like oh i gotta learn about all this stuff i was just enthralled i think it's really great storytelling and i just enjoyed the the two together starting her in a position where she's very clearly powerful but still does not have full connection to her ancestors, I think is smart because it fits the historical narrative of slaves not having the full tradition right. uh, because it was stolen from them. Yeah. Um, I do worry a little bit. It's a very picky problem. Having vampires as slave owners annoys me a little bit because it makes it feel like the evil of slavery is related to the evil of vampires being vampires as opposed to a thing that regular ass human beings would do to each other. Well, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I just think this is a case of this person's a bad person because he's a slave owner and he's also a bad person because he's a vampire. I don't think of that as like the analogy between the two, even though there's the aristocracy in France that are like very much aligned with these, you know, supernatural beings, um, simply because Olrox's uh, dead lover was a revolutionary, ostensibly a good guy, you know, somebody who believed but in freedom, who, who and you know was also a native, uh, uh, you know, he's a Mohican, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, and so I think it's just more of like there's like complexities upon complexities 
of these monstrous beings, and some of them are just bad people, and some of them, you know, are a little bit more gray. But the 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 aristocracy in France is being is set up and portrayed as you know feasting off the population, using them as a tool. Sure. In a kind of metaphorical political sense, but also in a very real sense, they are creating demon slaves who can become aware of their enslavement and they are also acting as slave masters to me i i know it's not there's there's a lot there still to unpack but i worry how flat that kind of narrative can become like yeah olrox exists and he had a lover who existed off screen but there's this (laughs) there's the idea of like one of the good ones in you know kind of racial politics and i I just don't want them to lose anything in the discussion about these issues by making the evil of vampirism the evil of that. Yeah, I think there's a bluntness to it in the sense that they're yeah, it's I mean, essentially, like if you really read it at the highest, the easiest surface level is like these are aristocracy and slave owners are just blood sucking vampire like they're a. I think I assume as they were creating it, they were looking at it from the how do we literally take these evils and manifest them physically or supernaturally to kind of reinforce how bad these people were to begin with. But I can appreciate the kind of like, well, does that undercut just explicitly saying these things are bad? Like we're not we don't need to manifest. We can just say these are that bad to begin with. So the Abbot exists as a character that adds complication to the relationship because he is a human. He is part of the clergy. And maybe I would be a little bit more okay with it if, like, there was a slave owner and the the uh, what's uh, what uh, Annette's uh, antagonist, if that was just like the secondhand guy who existed mm-hmm. as a vampire that would do some of the dirty work in order to help run the facility, but wasn't the only vampire there. It's it's very picky. No, it's no, not... no. I, I can appreciate it. Mm. But speaking of sick-ass vampires, let's talk about Drolta Suentes, or what I'm going to call as Daisy Fuentes. <laughs> um, she shows up in a fucking horse-drawn carriage. Serving cunt. Serving. There's so much fucking cunt on this Did show. You see how many people were upset on Twitter that her the ombre of her hair that there's like how did she get pink to black <laughs> in 1792 this is bullshit like these fucking <laughs> this is the most unrealistic boots. thing in a show about vampires right like absolutely stunning like i would just i'd take one look at her and say fine just just, just kill me just like annihilate were me. you impressed at her knowledge of how to fist she comes in <laughs> scene one and punches a hole through a man's chest that's fantastic Just wrong have. hole wrong hole Dralta. <laughs> yeah uh, i make my own holes <laughs> uh well yeah so after that amazing introduction we get to the point where the fearsome foursome of uh teenagers i guess mostly assault the aristocrat palace um how sick was this scene for you it better be pretty sick i liked it I watched it twice because I did not like that something went wrong and the vampires noticed. Everybody looked. Our heroes. <laughs> and I'm like, Didn't you get that uh, what, oh fuck moment though? Like, kinda could you do- imagine? It kind of does feel fine. I think the thing that ultimately bothers me is that after this fight, they're all trying to flee. Annette tries to make a water bridge. 
and in the process, Eduardo or Edward is killed by the vampires. And I thought very okay. sexually that he just yeah. it like turns into basically one vampire. No, because yeah, they were like about to bite his neck. He's like, no lower, <laughs> <laughs> lower. I got a penis, don't I? But yeah. it, I was worried that they would have taken his character and then just thrown it away. Yeah. And the fact that it was like a flub that turned into a more important plot development makes me okay with it. Yeah. Um, well, and Va Blanc also did get introduced here. I, I like what you were saying of like it would have been an interesting like sub story. I like that they kind of made him more of a power player and that he had reason to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I also I do appreciate the sort of like typical trope of oh, just stop doing that. Don't do that thing. But I at least I'm glad it was tied to emotional stake yes. rather than like something that you'd be like, Jesus fucking Christ, just sit down for a second instead of like stumbling into something like an idiot. I, um, if, I, if I had the ability to just make like those knife spikes, I would just be throwing hundreds and hundreds of them <laughs> in the air. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the aftermath of that assault. Yes, Edward is technically dead, but now transformed into a night creature. We get some more backstory of Annette and Edward. And then we also learn about uh, Cecile Fatiman, who was essentially the seer that guided Annette mm-hmm. um, on the journey. Um, again, just I'm I'm just so glad that they have taken the time, even though this feels like a, a longer prologue series ahead of like a bigger story it's it really is all the world building can i i I really do like these characters like i'm very in i don't feel like this season was a prologue season i felt like it was a first season i know that we talked about this off pod like season one of the original castlevania yeah that was like okay this is a this is like the this is the james bond you know scene before the credits roll uh this this felt very much like season one of game of thrones for example like there is a lot of world building that already happens introduction of the characters introduction of the villains complications upon complications and we'll get it to get into it a little bit later but a cliffhanger i think i would have felt less of the prologue if it wasn't i wish Elizabeth. i guess it probably would feel more like a prologue but i wish Elizabeth's whole storyline stuff was even more hidden in the background like i wanted drolta to feel like the big, the big bad, bad for most of it I think, and that's my JRPG sensibilities kicking in, where I'm like, well, it's a the halfway before you can't, you have to get halfway through the the game before you even realize who really is the bad person. Oh, so yeah. if it was not that she would be sold as the Messiah, but just something where they really played that down, yeah. and instead I feel like they played the cards out because I I thought when she was it's like any horror movie when they're off screen they're more terrifying. Sure. And then I I thought that was done um, really well. Oh my God! Let's talk about some Ulrocks and Mizrock hot man-on-man action. That action, best scene action. in the entire show, he just get, of them lying there. That get, was Game of Thrones shit. Yeah. Like yeah. you were like, "This is fucking hot." That guy gets all rocks off. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been waiting to make that joke? Uh, since I heard his name. Okay. I mean, Mizrock. Mizrock is gorgeous. Uh, would you not be fucking annoyed by him though? I mean, oh, he's the worst. Seriously, like. I dude, must serve God. Dude, the, I, <laughs> I, I, don't, right. I don't believe in the Bible, but come on. It does say no sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> you bottom bitch. Like, yeah. that is not an excuse for you to only be a top. Oh, you can tell he's getting turned. Yeah. Um, really important question from this scene, though. His, his lube is holy water. <laughs> <laughs> what position would you want to be in the threesome? Uh, uh, in the middle. Uh, in what way? Which holes? All of <laughs> Be them. Specific. Every single one. Show Adam. your work. Show your work. Which, which one is the most compromising position? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I feel like I would have to give like a DP a shot because like, I don't know. Spit roasting doesn't seem very interesting. I don't interesting. think this is the first time. Like if it's your first time DPing, not a good <laughs> pair of people to start with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this man of God and a fucking vampire that you're, can turn into a dragon. You're playing the video game on hard mode immediately. <laughs> <laughs> So is my dick. Oh, my uh, God. The uh, the rebellion rally has gone wrong. Annette's speech has inspired, but a ton of fucking night creatures show up. Uh, but Annette is actually saved by Edward, who is there as a night creature. He's gaining his sensibilities back. You mentioned, Brent, you love where the storyline is going instead of just being a throwaway death. Do you love his singing, though? It All, does right, let's talk about the All right, let's talk about the singing. All right, let's talk about the singing. We're going to sing it. <laughs> and you're like, Edward, <laughs> shut up. You, you, I know you're gay. You Stop <laughs> it. I got it. You're He's that fucking show tune queen who has a good singing voice that com- insists on going to karaoke. And I'm like, you can't. You are not allowed to sing. He is the Your fu- voice is too good. He's the fucking gay that when the music cuts out at a house party, he's like, we could just like sing a little acapella, huh? Wait, what gay does that? Who do cool. you That's This is a time when you would yes and for sure. You could just say yeah and then move on to <laughs> something else. <laughs> he's the gay that gets excited about watch the, the right Tonys. Yeah, I don't think you've been to a kind of right you, don't, you don't go to the parties I go to. Yeah, apparently not. Edward, uh, Edward is just like at a fucking funeral and he's like, you know. For the bird. I'm for a random fucking bird. No, but the bird would have loved this song. <laughs> <laughs> just sing Freebird for the love of God. Uh, he's the gay that loves to watch the Tonys, even though it's the end of Pride weekend and it's, we're all tired. We all just want to go home. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm throwing a Tony's party. Well, you also, love his, that his demon form. I'm oh, sorry. No, I, well, I think we're going to say the same thing. It's that bullshit with his fucking. He's got hands on his eyes for no reason. He's got steel, I love that design. steel, steel blue eyes. And he's just like his demon form is him. Just like shy. Like, oh, but I didn't. Did you notice my blue eyes? I know. Did when you he, notice my Paul Hollywood eyes? <laughs> when he covers them up, when Annette's like, is that you? And he's like, oh. Don't, no, it couldn't possibly, <laughs> it couldn't possibly be me. And he's constantly peekaboo. Bad toys coming. You better get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the B milestones. We've got Operation Save Edward. We've got Family Matters. And we enter Elizabeth. So uh, the group after this infiltrates the church. Um, they realize the church is likely in cahoots with the vampires in an effort to save Edward. They're they like, likely. <laughs> likely <laughs> the I abbot mean, the abbot showed up really with, he now. showed up four deep with with, with vampires and he's just like uh i didn't expect you guys to be here uh <laughs> all, all the security is demons uh also okay so this was a great moment when trying to save edward that <laughs> That Annette's like, all right, well, I'm going to stab you. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) I did. I like that realistic reaction. I'm just like, oh, no. I I don't want to die. Jesus Christ. Wait, I mean, yeah, I guess I have to be honest. I'd probably try to save both of you if you were transformed. I wouldn't like just kill you. I would definitely have thought like, like, all right, this is a Cronenberg monster. It wants to be put down. After. okay, let's say. After it sang, I would want to stab it more. (laughs) No, but like Kalen's transformed and Kalen saved you from some other monsters. I would, would stab go. Kalen without him being transformed. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that 100%. Yeah. Just right in the back. Yeah. 
Okay, so what kind of uh, monster would you transform into? Like, right. What do you think like your your design would be? Real one or uh, like uh, the actual one or the one I would want? Because I would want to be like a hot. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to be. Oh hot. yeah, yeah, I got a good one. Like uh, I got a six pack. No, I got yeah. giant wings. I shoot flame uh, yeah. out of my <laughs> hand. But, but my the real dick one weighs twenty pounds. <laughs> the I real... got two of them. <laughs> yeah. So you guys got it. Okay. <laughs> The real That's one. all of ours, Brent. That's all of our answers. The real one I would be is the long-necked guy with the giant mouth down the side of his neck. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which is meant for eating almonds. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Adam? What would you be? Uh, I mean, yeah, realistic-wise, I, I think I would be some sort of like high out of my brain chaos demon like teleporting everywhere doing things for fun like i think you'd have a surprise thing that comes out of something yes like springs yeah. out i would be teleporting around probably some sort of mouth that screams yeah. i'm sure <laughs> uh, ryan crow and i were blended together <laughs> in a machine. you're like a two-headed like what is chimera <laughs> what, what is what is it heels says later like does it need all these mouths <laughs> <laughs> Like, bitch, we didn't choose what it came out of the machine like. <laughs> oh, my God. What about you, Kellen? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, why don't you all describe for me? That's a good question. The question I asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I think you'd have a stinger of some sort. I think, you'd look, I think you'd be very tall. I think you'd have some sort of... Like the, there'd be it would be like an owl de like an owl bear almost maybe oh, yeah. but like oh, probably yeah. more fitted not on rawr, like rawr, a <laughs> not owl bear. owl bear giant a bipedal eyes. yeah huge giant eyes bipedal eyes. some big glasses still <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could fix everything but the need for glasses. And, but yeah. it would, you'd have like a cute beak, but then you'd open it up and there would be, be like, like tentacles. Cr- tentacles or like crazy it would teeth. Yeah. There would be yeah. eight other beaks inside. <laughs> <laughs> and they're only getting a, a water from a well, actually. So during this assault, we do get the Ulrox, Richter reveal and meet up. Uh, Olox is revealed and Richter squealed. What did you think about this runaway bride? Well, let's talk about the what, what happens after that with, with Richter. Because I think that that's more relevant than like, oh, he ran away. Well, I don't know. Would you do? Would you do that? Did Did you feel the way Annette uh, did? I think it made. I think I liked. I liked. It made me like Richter a lot more because I was worried about him being too much of a uh, a pastiche of Trevor. Yeah. Of like you know a younger version of this like total badass like I'm just this gruff whatever, but like him uh, coming face to face with his primal fear and not facing it immediately, actually running. Okay, I'm. I get this. Like, this makes your character richer. It gives your character a place to develop. Well, and he, I think, I like what you're saying, Killing, because the entire show, obviously, diversity has grown significantly, but just the fact that the main lead, straight white man, is also a A good pussy. A good, well, well, it's a good emblem yeah, of he's love. Yeah, sh- shed some fucking man tears. I love how I was going to be like, it's a good emblem <laughs> of uh, positive masculinity. And you're all like, what a fat Quiet ass bitch. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ, you guys. <laughs> I actually genuinely love that character trait, too. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking pussy. <laughs> See, what the fuck? Uh, you want to go run home? <laughs> But yeah, no, I th- I think it's a great segue right in the middle of the show, and I think it's a complete uh, detour from what probably would have happened in the uh, the previous. I sequence. felt like so, you know, Annette was doing very much the like he ran away from us, he ran away from us, and when he's finally back, I think she forgave him way too quickly. I agree. 
I think like that was too. I was like too convenient for me. They're like, eh, well, we got to get these. We got to get them back as friends. Well, and she allies. spoke to the spirit, and the spirit said, "Forgive this white man." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. No, for, I, he not he knows not what he does. I'm a hundred percent with you that I also thought there could be a bit more whole. Like, just have some casual conversation near the water where that bird is buried, and just be like, "Hey, I've been thinking about some things. Me too." Like, they should have all like talked through what they learned instead of just like. Let's they do need, it. They needed a or, mediator. Or yeah. they, they like recognize that like we still need each other to work together and that they kind of hold on to this kind of tension for yes. longer such that at some point later when they're fighting, it becomes a problem that they're actually not working together. And it's a thing that they have to resolve. Then they work ah, through it. Yes. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, Annette has gone on her own character development journey at this point in the story where she corners Val Blanc and murders him in a very fun kill sequence that is very deserving of that piece of shit. It's great. And I love like, um, who? what's the name of the seer that sends her on her quest? Uh, Cecile. Cecile's like, yes, bitch, you did it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how fucking lame of a vampire do you have to be to be scared of crosses? Like, yeah. that's a choice. <laughs> Clearly, uh, what's her name? Heels uh, can just walk. Yeah. <laughs> walk. Daisy Fuentes, get it right. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's Doralta Fuentes. Doralta Doral- Fuentes. <laughs> well, it reminds me of the uh, the movie Interview the Vampire, uh, where Brad Pitt as Louis goes. Um, no, like, crucifixes can't hurt me. I, I quite like crosses. It's like, uh, that's not, like, a way to actually kill vampires. Well, it's also stupid because crosses are fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's one of the easiest thing. shapes to make. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of, did you know that uh, Emmanuel, the abbot, was going to be Maria's uh, father? No, that was a surprise. As the only other blonde character, <laughs> I had, had a, a feeling. I, I just, but guess. I also didn't think about it. I no, was like, I did. Oh. I didn't. It didn't occur to me either. I was sort of like, oh, cool. It wasn't like a big surprise, but I was like, oh, I no. Just don't and want they didn't. Guy. They didn't try and like. They didn't. You know, cock the arm back. You know, really far. Like what? you're going to be so yeah. surprised by this. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, I'm. I'm the. <laughs> The guy manufacturing demons from an industrial factory in the cellar, that guy has an uh, has a bastard child. I'm color me surprised. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you mentioned Richter Richter's journey after the runaway. He meets just his grandfather. Uh, what do you? What's so important about his that? grandfather was voiced by the actor who played uh, what's his name? Trevor. No, the in Game of Thrones, he oh. was Sir. Uh, he was the fa- the knight that everyone loved. The oh, uh, old, sir, older knight, Sir Barristan Salmi. Like oh, the right. yeah, the I one, the, well, the, got, the one who was the head of the king's guard and then went to go work he with got, Daenerys. He got grayscale. Oh no, oh, Jorah. Uh, Jorah, Jorah, Jorah Mormont. Yeah. So it's voiced oh. by Sir Jorah Mormont, oh. who I thought would, if the, we did a live action version, would play a great abbot. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's yeah, very that's true. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got Edward rallying the night creature, so they all do still have some level. I love it. I fucking love it. I love it too because it reminded me of when Isaac is trying to uh, in the original Castlevania, the first the first series. Isaac is like building his army of night creatures, and he's talking to the one that like said he went to hell and came back. Like there is still some semblance of who these people were before they were turned. And so it's a nice bit of continuity from uh, from that first series. One of my favorite things about that series was the actual conversation you had very late in the story that like, oh, wait, there actually is some sentience there. Yeah. And also it 
it recontextualized every single murder that happened where you thought it was just fine to kill these demons. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that was also a sentient being right. who, if treated differently, might have been able Something to be like, else. fine. Yeah. A conversation could have solved this. I'll tell you who's not changing. It's Urzabeth, and she is here, bitch. <laughs> she is serving cunt. She's got some big-ass dresses. She's tying to Egyptian gods and goddesses, claiming to be Sekhmet, and is her. She has an ability to swallow the sun. Brent, could you deep throat the sun? <laughs> no. He deep throated somebody's son. Now I. <laughs> God damn it, Caleb. I was going way too slow for that. Because uh, that's exactly where I was going to as well. Fantastic. Um, uh, there was a solar eclipse that did cover. It was a partial solar eclipse in France. It was. It mainly went over Africa that occurred in September. No of kidding. 1792. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. That's right. very fucking But cool. it was like it was like the edges of a solar eclipse. So like most uh, like I think half of France or something was like so not. So Olrox has promised that she was going to blot out the sun forever. Maybe it wasn't. So <laughs> yes. And Olrox said, we'll fight in the shade. <laughs> 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 um, this fucking bitch. Urzabet. Uh. She really has some iconic outfits. Yeah, they're great. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit more, but the fact that when she is like having this full moon transformation type thing, and as a part of that, it is essential for her to have a new outfit, is queen shit. Yeah, well, it is like you need a reveal. It's again just the cuntiness of the series. Like you see Dralta in episode two, and you're just like, oh. Bad bitch, got it. Like, yeah. and then to just have this, what seemingly looks like an eight foot woman wandering around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Catherine French the Great Europe. style. <laughs> Jesus Christ, her fucking outfits, amazing. And just so much power, so much like they they do such a great job because with Dracula in original Castlevania, you had Dracula for a while, and then Camilla has to get, uh, yeah, what's Camilla has to get yeah, that build up over the second season and Dracula's kind of like in your face of who I am, why I'm important, how powerful I am. Right. And I literally am sitting there for most of the season going a vampire Messiah. We already had one of those and they died two seasons in and just for them to be able to take and create such an interesting character and tie it just like old rocks being tied more to um, South American culture, like the idea or this is the America's culture just having them be like, yeah, this we're playing with other gods and goddesses, not some weird European shit that you saw before. I loved. Right. I was worried that the vampire messiah would have been Dracula because remember at the end yeah. of Castle, the original Castlevania, we saw uh, uh, Dracula and Lisa like kind of like they had been Cuddling, reborn yeah. and like you know had like decided to like move on and like you know Lisa dying could have meant that Dracula came back and became even a bigger threat. Right. I'm really glad they didn't go in that direction. Yeah. Um, what did you like about? Well, we've kind of talked about Olorox's backstory already, but him and Mizrock are falling in love. It was played decently enough for me to forgive it. <laughs> that Olorox is like, I don't love you after like <laughs> their third interaction, and then their third the, fucking their fuck f- fast. Yeah, like, don't. <laughs> sorry, and their fourth interaction, non fucking, <laughs> where he like <laughs> saved his life. It's like, all right, I would do that for another gay. Like, <laughs> like, all right, I see a lot of straight people dying. I'm saving the one gay person. 
we're in this together. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you're too good a fuck. You gotta yeah. come home with me or come with like me. save the hot person. <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, save the hot person, ride a cowboy. But Mizrock, <laughs> Mizrock really Kick did. A dog. I mean, I know he was pretty uh, theologically oriented, but his willingness to break and go with the uh, that's a great character. The the other three mm-hmm. or other four, uh, I thought was like pretty pretty quick. Oh, you hated those people a minute ago. I so I that to me makes sense because of that religious. Like he was looking to find ways to not have to. Uh, it's very lawful neutral essentially. I feel like like because he's connected to the abbot because he wants to preserve religion, but everyone has a threshold, and I think his was obviously lower than abbot's, and so I appreciated um, that he would have that change and then stick to it and not like waffle but just simply go oh this is not right they're gonna have to have conversations later like oh they won't you (laughs) you were a fucking dick to us and we told you we hated the vampires the whole fucking time it's just i think there's so much of the gray zone enemy of my enemy is my friend situation but i agree with you that it would be nice for them to fill do more development in the second season about growing that friendship i think um as soon as he saw Abbott was willing to uh, sacrifice, what's her name? Mara, uh, his daughter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that like that's what Maria. He, yes. Uh, uh, he just broke. I he agree. was like, okay, this is too far for me. Like, I, I can't deal with this anymore. So, I will say about that scene, the whole Abraham slaughter of the of this the child. I thought, God damn, this is fucking on the nose. And I was absolutely blindsided by uh, not Maria. What's her mother's name? Tara. Tara, Tara saying that she's the sacrificial. Yeah. Man. yeah. Oh, my God. Got it. Got me. Got me right in the heart. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into the kind of last milestones of Elizabeth's assault and that cliffhanger. So we talked about, you know, Dralta's holding Maria's life as a chess piece with Abbott. Abbott kind of twists surprise, is like, sorry, bitch, I'm going to sacrifice you just for the oh, church. Oh, I was a bad guy. Gotta the whole do time. this good. Um, we've got uh, Orox actually also kind of semi joins the team delivering the infernal tome and weirdly giving the news that only humans can destroy the fucking new steampunk. We actually didn't talk about this either. I love that there's a time skip and they're using a machine now to produce night creatures as opposed to just hammering a bunch of times on a dead I body. Mean, it's on like, a it's sort of the precursor of the industrial revolution. Right. Like what would these people be able to do? How would they be able to manufacture? And so they the demons are kind of meeting humanity where it's at. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was such a good concept of them aging it up. And I can't wait for the 1950s Ford vampire factories that they're going to produce. But I figured, I again. figured the reason, like, I didn't think it was only humans can get rid of, destroy it was very machine. specifically stated mm-hmm. that Orox, like only humans can destroy this machine. Like we, but then it turned out that they couldn't, that was, the they whole can't point. destroy yeah. it. They can only send it, it to back hell. At, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe that was, maybe that was real. I, I assumed that was like a political move that that if he was the one who was pushing it back in, it would be known. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. You're right in the sense that it was more of a I can't be seen with you people. 
because you're fucking ugly. And so. gross. <laughs> it's very, you guys are very gross. mean girls. Uh, I can't be seen with sorry, the straights. Uggas, so I'm sorry, I, But I, I still want you to win the tournament. Do you guys um, mind moving my machine for me? It's <laughs> on the third floor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we do have the... There's obviously the assault. Everybody's fucking going crazy. People are fighting. Elizabeth just fucking takes everybody down. Um, but you've also got, uh, well, let's come back to Mizrak and all uh, end. But the gambit of Elizabeth wants, um, Maria's soul. Basically she wants to turn Maria, wants to use that power, et cetera, et cetera. Tara goes, take me instead. I'm older and more beautiful. And she does. But she was also, Elizabeth's like, wait, does it actually have to be a virgin? I can't, <laughs> <laughs> does she well i guess i'll just take you sure great uh, well and she wants the what is it the um what the fuck are they called uh cyphers like crew this there's searchers whatever their fucking names are the yeah uh, the speakers big speakers thank you um and so yeah again kind of on the run kind of a big finale and just when you think things are going real bad Dralta gets fucked up by none other than alucard deus ex alucard uh, deus right. ex alucard mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian Tepesh, if you're nasty. <laughs> um, did y'all gag at this? I screamed really hard. I was like... Well, here's the deal. So our friend, um, Jason, who uh, was texting about the show, he's like, I screamed at the end. I was like, so you know I was happened. expecting something big. And like I didn't necessarily know it was going to be Alucard, but I was like, okay, yeah, this made sense. Because these also... Alucard is the revelation at the end of season one of the original series yes. as well. So there's the kind I love that connection. There's that connection there. So I I liked it, but again, it was a little like okay, your little fan servicey. I, yeah, I did not expect it. <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about it yet because I need to. I I'm worried that it's just like this is another way for us to tie it back to the original. I yeah, I would just tie into that. I mean. Based off of the games we talked about, Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night, I mean, that was always going to how it was going to go. Because Symphony of the Night, Alucard is the main character, which is why I was surprised that he was even in And in three. Rondo of Blood, he's the one who brings the, the Rondo. Rondo. <laughs> That's a lot of blood. <laughs> Some might say a Rondo. If they, if she, if Drolta's dead, dead, I'm kind of angry. That I agree with. I was really, I was, I, I appreciated the sort of like, You don't fuck see a you. lot of drag representation <laughs> <laughs> in TV shows. Yeah. Um, also... I will say the 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 one part of this season that actually because I do not think it felt like a a prologue uh, season. Mm-hmm. The one part that did feel like prologue was Ursa Bet taking every hit and not flinching once. That felt like a cut scene with a big bad boss yeah. where you're like nothing you do matters. Yeah, all this is to set up where your character is going to begin the yeah. rest of the show. It's yeah. very disc one. Like this would be, she would be you'd fight Dralta. You'd beat her. Then you'd have to fight Elizabeth. She would fucking take her entire team out. Then you'd still have all this other stuff. But I agree with you that like, and I, again, I'm up, I've only ever, those narratives are ingrained in my brain. So like it does, it feels like a dopamine boost of nostalgia, but I can appreciate that. It's like obviously very set up of what's happening and why. So can we talk about what we want from the future? We sure can. What do you want from the future? So, Thinking about the issues related to slavery and the French aristocracy, I think they've got a lot of stuff they can build on. The one thing that was super weird about the way they set up the French aristocracy criticisms was that at this time, you had the clergy, you had the aristocracy, and you had the third estate. And we literally saw 
basically nothing of people in the third estate outside of like our heroes. It's weird to have an entire country being run by vampires and you don't see <laughs> no the perspective cares. of the people who are actually the victims yeah. of these vampires. And I really want them to build that out in some more complicated, complex way. Because every time you saw like cities and stuff, they're all celebrating Ursabet showing up and they're like, Yeah, we're vampires, Slay Queen, yeah. They're like right no a chariot to the left. city. Yeah, yeah. where are the humans? Exactly. Maybe no, they were I all that, killed. I did have that yeah. same reaction. Uh, anything you are desperately looking for, Kaylin? <sighs> I have to think about it a little bit because I'm in the same boat with uh Brent about how I feel about Alucard being in the end. I mean I love the character of Alucard. He's also my favorite Castlevania protagonist simply because I love Symphony of Night so much. But Again, it's a little like, oh, okay, where did you come from? It's just... Where did you go? Where did you go? <laughs> Alucard. <laughs> Your knife Hot surely floats. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's it's like, uh, like I, it's a deus ex machina, you know? And uh, I I just like... Do you think that when Ulrock saved Mizrak, that was a deus ex machina? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Um, I right, I think it's all the winners. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. I yeah, liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I still don't fully understand it, which is why I just hummed a little Deus bit. Deus Ex Machina? Sex, oh, sex, sex Machina. I, I, I don't know what I thought the joke was Yeah, I guess maybe I, I slurred like, it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I think, uh, to your point, Brent, I think seeing more of the, uh, the actual world itself, I think would make a lot of sense. Like using the analogies, I think would be, would be greater. And then maybe even bring in more mythologies, other mythologies. We've seen Egyptian. We've seen, you know, the Americas. Maybe seeing some African mythology mm. would be, uh, or Sub-Saharan African mythology would be really great. So I, uh, I would like to see some sort. I want it to be where they're back. I don't know how long the show's going to go on for. I do want to. They've um, been signed for eighteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then that's perfect. No, I want like a good I, I do feel like the next season they were already kind of back against a wall, but it was very small scale. So I'd like to see I hopefully they find a good balance of like Elizabeth's kind of winning, but I don't want it to be dragged out of like, well, here's the next big plan I'm doing. Like, I well, kind of want them to live in this like negative universe. Well, remember in not to make it too parallel, like Dracula was the big bad until the end of season two yeah. and then they killed him off and then. Season three was a little bit about like what the world looks like post Dracula and like these sort of fiefdoms right. of vampires, and then you know season four was what it, that culmination of that. So that's I'm hoping it's a bit of a time skip. There's kind of like a little bit of a new normal because like again it was very tight Napoleon's to the- a vampire, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I would yeah I think I I think the model they had from the original Castlevania works for me. They would have to just introduce now that Dralta's seemingly dead. They need a few more villains that are as interesting as you know what's going on the main character side because i like the way that the original castlevania series played out yeah um i do want to make a really clear question kind of maybe as a wrap-up so you know due to the nature of the timing is this this like a wrap-up yeah yeah yeah. you got more points i got one hated or hotted it okay uh richter's headband hated Hated it or hotted it i hated it it. is so bad i I was like as soon as you put it on i was like what fucking nonsense, like early who, 90s anime well, bullshit Well, I mean, that's when is, the fucking character was made, so I'm not surprised. Who taught you to do this? I love it. Who, no, it's, where, who hurt you? Where, where culturally did you get the idea <laughs> that a cloth there for you 
was a good idea. As it, a kid, I would have like lost my goddamn mind. As an adult, I'm like, this is some bullshit. It's such I'm a nostalgic that, uh, costume trip. What yeah. was it? Uh, was it Maria who was like, why the fuck did you put that headband on? Yeah. It's just a piece of fabric, too. It's not it's like a it's piece even of fabric. like it's a piece of fabric. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so, you know, obviously um, we we weren't Ellis's fucking out of here. He stinks. Um, and so this new series, obviously, when they kind of rebooted it, we're filled to the brim with diversity, as I mentioned. You've got multiple women characters of varying age and perspectives, mixed race, and a variety of BIPOC individuals on both sides of the battle, and more queerness than the fan fiction of Alucard and Trevor that I wrote during the pandemic. How did it help the series? Any missteps? What would you want to see more of? Uh, definitely a step in the right direction, because even before we found out about Warren Ellis being a total piece of shit, um, I had read so many of his comics, I knew exactly how his character sounded, and they're very samey, and so... You had elements of Trevor Alucard, who was the uh, quasi magician they introduced in season three. Oh, uh, um, Jesus Christ, the philosopher person. Yeah, right? and yeah. like all of them had this like sort of like world weary like you know banter, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is a fucking Warren Ellis character. Mm-hmm. And uh, the current creator, I don't really know his stuff, and so the characters don't sound samey, which is good. That's like you know, I think there can be some more like character development for. Yeah. Them, but there's nobody. I'm like, oh, this sounds like you know this one person, person, person writing every character. Correct. Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two broad ways that you can two r- broad ways you can <laughs> write uh, stories that deal with race, and one is the kind of uh, post racial world where you you accept everyone. You don't it it does not matter what race people are. Mm-hmm. You just have characters that live and exist that way. Uh, the Good Place, for example. Yeah. Or Bridgerton. It, Brid- I was just about to say, Bridgerton's, Bridgerton's a, a great example. Uh, you, all, you have a critical race story where you are, race matters, and you actually try and deal with it. Yeah. If they tried to tell this story in the woke way of like, we just threw a diversity of characters in and we didn't try and reflect on the reality of of... <laughs> of what life was like for people under different class systems and under different race systems and political systems, it would have been so much worse. This is not like an arbitrary choice to include women, to include people of color. It is functionally necessary to tell this story. And so it's a stupid fucking criticism because you don't want Castlevania Nocturne. You want vampires go kill, kill. Yeah. That it is not, Right, and you have that. It's You're called back. It's called Castlevania. They're a bunch of anemic Romanians <laughs> killing even more anemic vampires. <laughs> I, I mean, and we, I, I mean, you, you get to have your cake and eat it too, right? Because we did, we kind of talked about the animation at the beginning, and certainly talked like we didn't hit on enough. It is a fucking gorgeous show. The fight scenes are absolutely incredible. It maintains all of the elements that I think made the original Castlevania series special. Um, while also just really updating it, refreshing it, and in a way that I cannot wait for more. Um, I think there any final thoughts on this? Uh, waiting for, for me, Dogzo. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I wish my final thought is I wish you never said that. <laughs> I hate you both. Uh, I cannot wait for season two. I would like to see it very very soon. Yeah, I tr- I know it got renewed. I don't know if they had any big plans already, but I'm sure it'll I'm be assuming it'll happen faster. Yeah. yeah. Um, just hopefully more. Uh, that has been our show. Brent, tell the people where they can find us. Thanks, Dogzo. They can 
Find us on Twitter at HomospireX and Instagram at Homospire Podcast. They can find our regular episodes out every Friday wherever podcasts are found. We also have merch available. They're found on, on the internet. There, it's all on the internet. That's where it all lives. Look on your local street corner for that podcast we dropped. Uh, we've got tons of stuff on T Public, uh, and uh, if you can see us on the streets, we'll give you kisses. <laughs> uh, that's been our episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, g- good luck hunting humans. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.